Hey Sam. Hey Teresa. What's up? Not much. Just got out of my six-hour photo class, but happy to be recording the podcast. How about you? Not much. Sitting right next to you, actually. <laughs> just just got off the mega bus. Um, I sat in one of those nicer seats on the mega bus. You know the ones that like you're supposed to reserve. No, because oh, because my mega bus broke down. For an hour, so we gotta go to a new one. Classic. But um, yeah, the reserve seats makes a huge difference. It was like an elite ride. I wasn't nauseous like one time. Wow. <laughs> I honestly love mega bus rides as long as it's like they're only bad in the summer. Once it gets to like winter, fall, mega bus is elite. But we are super excited for today's episode because we will be joined by the group Angry Black Men. And we'll be drinking a cup of honey coffee. Great. Let's get into it. So for this week's episode, we chose honey coffee, which isn't really, I guess, something you would order at a coffee shop. But rather, we decided to put honey in our coffee as opposed to sugar, you know, feeling a little frisky today. Mm. And um, I honestly prefer honey to sugar. I feel like it gives it a more rich flavor and it doesn't taste like just like straight sweetener. Um, so yeah, I would give I would give this a good positive experience. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I honestly couldn't taste like enough of a difference for it to like really matter. So I'm probably <laughs> going to stick with sugar. Um, but yeah, definitely. If it's healthier, which I think honey's healthier, I feel like why not go for the honey? So 10 out of 10. We don't know anything. <laughs> I don't think honey is healthier. Um, but yeah, we're super excited today because we will be interviewing the group Angry Black Men, who are both from Chicago also, yeah. which is super exciting. Sam, do you want to introduce them onto the podcast? Yeah, yeah. So I actually found their music through their newest EP, Reality, um, but they have a really, really unique sound. They're signed to Death Bomb Arc which if you know like any of JPEG Mafia's music or I think some of Death Grip's early music, like they definitely gravitate towards really sick artists who make a wild sound. And that's definitely the case with them. They make music that's like really out there and really in your face and combines um, really hard hitting lyrics with um, instrumentals that will definitely surprise you. I'll just say that, but they're a lot of fun to listen to. Great. With that, should we call them up right now? Yep, let's call them up. Yo, yo, yo. Hello. Hi. How are y'all? Oh, shit. getting up. (laughs) Sounds good. Thank you guys so much for taking the time so early in the morning. We really appreciate it. We've been loving the new EP, and it kind of made me explore some of your older work, too. So thank y'all for, like, um, all the music you make. Oh, sure, man, that means a lot. I appreciate you, man. I know we got a bit of a Chicago connection going on. I'm from South Shore. Teresa's from Hyde Park. Uh, and I guess our first question was just, um, can you guys talk about how Chicago has influenced your art? Oh, you want to take that over, Brian? Uh, I want to do different things, or what do you want to do, bro? I mean, I go ahead and 
say how like the Chicago scene has influenced me. Like I'm not sure how to like, cause it's, it influenced me in so many different aspects with just like shows and just going out. And cause I grew up in uh, Old Town. So um, just going out and just seeing people on the street just be freestyling all day and just watching how like the words just come and they just keep going and then you know they they get paid and I'm just like man that's a hustle and like that that like fueled a fire in me to like just you know get in the booth and do that do that same thing and listening to Kanye Chance coming up Lupe Mm -hmm. like making that great like sing rap kind of music and I'm like I want to do the same thing like that but as we as I got older you know I didn't fall into that but you know <laughs> and then listening to Wayne Kendrick and although you know what Kendrick is from Chicago I would just like to say that he's from Chicago I don't care <laughs> and I know Wayne isn't but I mean he played a big major part of me wanting to like do rap just because that one interview he said i stopped using the notepad and i'm just going in the booth and i'm like oh okay can i do that let's see jibba jabba jibba jabba for like the first few years and then i started connect i started knowing how to connect words so that's my little spill on like what got me into doing music yeah and Sort of going off of that, we realized or we saw that there are a lot of bun- a bunch of Kanye bars on reality. Can you mm-hmm. talk about um, your, I guess, your relationship with Kanye and how in, in, in what ways he influences your music the most? Oh, you talking about um, reality. So you talk about the shit I was talking about in Blueprint. Uh, so, yeah, you know what? This ties back to the Chicago influence, too, on my part. I just feel like Chicago has always been such a an underrated mecca. You know, like people always talk about Atlanta, uh, New York, California, but I just feel like with Chicago, it's such a like a it's such a like a, a family oriented vibe when it comes to like the scene and everybody pushes each other. So that inspires me because like I'm a big fan of the underground. I like are you familiar with Serena Isioma, Rick Wilson. Um, just that whole like underground, like uh, Superboy, Chicago. I just feel like it's just like it's just like a really nice family vibe, and everybody pushes each other to do better. So that that's how Chicago inspires me. But when it comes to Kanye, I mean, that's that's the dude. Like <laughs> like he like I just feel like he changed like the face of hip hop. That's you know, if it wasn't for him, I feel like a lot of people wouldn't have a certain opportunity to make what they can. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, with Kanye, yeah, I, I had to reference that. You know, through the wire, uh, Shy Town nigga with a bit of a Nas flow. I just had to do that. Like, props to and to add on to that, I have a little secretive story. My mom actually used to work with Kanye's mother back when uh, they both used to work at Chicago State University a while back. So I actually got a chance to like see his mom for like <laughs> this split of a second, and then. After that, then she had passed, and that was like last time I seen either Kanye and his mom. So, 
Nice, nice. My dad, my dad was uh, at University of Chicago when she used to teach back in like the nineties. For real? Oh, <laughs> Thank you guys for sharing your secrets with us. <laughs> um, yeah, another question we want to ask, just kind of like going back, is just like what brought you two together to begin recording in the first place. Mm. Let's see. Mm. He got a different side, and then. Cause it's gonna be my POV, and then he got his POV. So, I mean, Key, you wanna you wanna take it from there, or man, my POV. Like I was doing solo shit and working on a music video, and this guy came. He was introduced to me from a friend I used to hang out with, and we just kept in contact. And then naturally, like that uh, connection happened. At first, I did. I was hesitant. I tell the story a lot. I was hesitant to be in a group because I felt like, hey, like I can do this by myself. Not really thought about it. I was like, I think it's better. A lot of, if you look at a lot of artists, they don't really start off solo. They always branch off from something, if that makes any sense. So I was like, this could be a good opportunity for me to learn more. You know what I'm saying? Like work, like working with somebody, you learn more about yourself. And it's also easier to like navigate uh, the the music scene, being in a group instead of just being solo. It's just like a workload. It's like half and half. So this guy came up with the idea. He was like, we should be in like a group. And I was like, no. And I thought about it. And I was like, you know, it's not gonna, it's not gonna hurt anybody. So here we are. Yeah, and I'm easy to work with, Rod. <laughs> yeah, no. For sure, for sure. On my side, I was working at Kmart when a mutual friend um had came to me and he brought me a picture of Q with his shirt off and his eyes blurred out. And he was like, yeah, my friend makes music, man. You should, like, check him out. Because I was showing him my music while we was at work, like, a long time ago. And um, he was like, yeah, just uh, come on this video set. He's shooting a video, like, this weekend, bro. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to head out. And then we, we came there. We shot the video. And, like, you know, just been in touch ever since. And then, like, when we... When I did bring up the idea to start a duo, the initial name of it I had was uh, Mad Black Men. And then he was like, let's take that and let's sit on it. Let's twist it. And then turned into Angry Black Men later. So that's how that came about. Definitely. And on the note of like a duo, I feel like duos have like a pretty great history in hip-hop but I, it's also such a unique format like I don't think there's as many duos as groups or as solo artists or any of that so mm. what do you feel like the duo provides you guys in your music and do you like very consciously like play off the duo format yeah for sure I would I would say for sure to be honest uh I that is an interesting thing like there aren't a lot of duos and and they, if there are, they don't really last too long. As far as like groups, like you got the Wu Tang Clan, who's been doing this shit forever. You got NWA, who had a really good run. I mean, it, it goes on. But when I think of duos, I think of like Outkast, and I think with them, that inspires me to play off of it more. Like that's one of our, I think our biggest critiques is we don't play on it enough. So I think going forward, we should probably play on it more. But for sure, yeah, duo. Like <laughs> you got to, you got to do it. You know, the duo. I mean, I like to, me personally, like, we play on it, but then it's like, you got to be, like, realistic at the same time, especially with everything that's been happening. So it's been, like, 
we'll try to keep a, a decent balance in between playing off the duo and then just like keeping it, you know, realistic and everything. Cause I mean, you know, that's broke. So, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, the, the broke comes before the music always. Um, and then like when you guys are um, sort of like making decisions, like we realize that like in, in this album, um, you've always like sort of rapped over a lot of wild beats, but the beats on this project we felt were like somewhat metallic. And like, I guess like as a duo, what did you guys like agree on the type of energy you wanted to come into this project with? Or like, was one person like, I want to do this. And then you kind of like went with it. Like, how did that process work? Mm. Yeah. Brian, I think, what would you say? Would you say it was a conscious decision to, to do something more wild? It was, it was a conscious decision. Cause we, I remember when we were sitting in the studio and we was like, do we want to like get, do we want to keep it like, what's the word? Uh, like keep it attained. Like, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, keep it like commercial like in a yeah, way att- attainable for like the, yeah like keep it yeah. attainable and then we was like no we should get more weird with it and i was like i mean i i, I didn't train myself to rap on anything like i can rap to a, a windshield wiper if i wanted to so like <laughs> i said let's let's go for it man let, let's get weird and even the project that we're working on now is going to get even weirder so so for sure for sure yeah and I guess like one example that um I saw of that weirdness on a track that I really love is uh Haywire and I feel like y'all through that song just jump through so many different sounds um and like so many different flows and there's just so much variety in the track and I was wondering you were talking about Wayne earlier in terms of going in the studio and just spitting is that how you structure tracks um, like Haywire or does that take a lot more thinking out and planning? Um, a bit of both. It's a bit of a balance. Like I, I really don't have no set method on how I, like structure my raps or like how we just structure everything because we also like been having a hand in the producing tip too. So it really just, it just comes from, everywhere sometimes it gets chaotic facts yeah shout out to uh derek he did the production on reality and then shout out to gary who did the production on headshots you could definitely tell like uh you know the differences between the two but we had a hand in like what way we the direction we wanted to go with each project but uh yeah with haywire it was like we didn't we never did a few song before we were like let's do like a double track thing like we never did that i mean you see it all you see it all the time in like music I'm like let's try doing that and i think it worked out pretty well because a lot of people like that track yeah i got the idea from um uh, i don't know if you guys ever heard of rhapsody yeah yeah like i listened to uh her project layla's wisdom and like i was just listening to the smooth transition i was like we need to try this. Let's try it. And then okay. That's interesting yeah. you said that because I was thinking, I hate this. I hate that I was thinking this, but I know Brockhampton did it a lot. I, I, I hate, I don't hate, Brock, dislike Brockhampton. I was just like, uh, like it's, they're kind of cringe sometimes. So it's like, uh, but like they would do that a lot. And I was like, shit, like, so we both had different, you know, 
like, inspirations for that shit. That's super interesting because I feel like what I think is so unique about the transition on Haywire is it goes from like something wild to something also wild. Like I, Rhapsody does those like smooth transitions, but this was just like, all right, like giving me more of that same energy, which I, I really love. Also, it's funny because we were literally just talking about Brockhampton for a second before you guys hopped on. Um, no disrespect, no disrespect to it. No. no, we were like, we were, no, we were, we were saying how these two groups that we know sort of remind of, remind us of a better version of Brockhampton. Um, yeah. So nothing to do with our next question. <laughs> Wanted to say that, which was, um, how has it been working with um, Death Bomb art? death bomb i love it honestly like i love it it was my one of my favorite labels ever since i saw uh jpeg mafia's veteran or listened to jpeg mafia's veteran and ever since then i was like damn like like this and i, I looked up the label's history of what they worked with death grips clipping and i like made it like a thing to like i want to be on that you know what i'm saying and it's been really cool like their freedom the freedom has been crazy like they'll like i'll email hey we should do that They'll be like, you know, hey, you know, lot nice, yeah. a lot of nice feedback. Was, was what I'm trying to say. Yeah, like really, half, half the time I don't even feel like I'm signed to a label because like we get so much of that freedom. Like I can just, uh, I want to do this, and then they, okay, try it out and see what is what what the reception's like. I'm like, okay, so. Yeah, I mean they'll put their their two cents in, you know. Yeah. Seldomly they know like with the cover like. You know, we're very minimal with the covers, and it's very just like I like to think of it as an art piece. But like some people, they're super fancy with it, and it's like da da da. But with us, it's like here's a picture of this. That's the cover, and they'll be like, you know, uh, maybe you guys should think about. But I'll be always be like, no, nah, this is like our vibe, you know. And eventually, like they just were like, okay, yeah, I see it now. Yeah, because it's like just like that the uh, the reality cover. I was like. I know that's going to look cold on physicals. Like, y'all may not see it on digital because you're just scrolling and you're just like, oh, it's a minimal picture. But when you get, when you buy the physical, it's just going to look just as hard. So, I love that picture. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that picture too. It's so sick. Um, but, hey, that's man. <laughs> um, I had a question about genre too. Um, and like normally I feel like when I talk about or when anyone talks about genre, they're like talking about kind of how the the music itself sounds. But I thought that y'all did some like very cool stuff in terms of like genre with the lyrics. Like um, there was a track, I think the final track reality where you're talking about Chicago, but kind of describing it in almost a horror like way mm-hmm. and I was wondering how you decide when to use like different moods in your lyrics. Cause it really felt like different, like entire genres of lyrics sometimes. Oh, that's a, that's a good, uh, yeah. Yeah. Brian, you did come out like a horror aspect. And then at the end, like I tried to play off that too. Cause I think Brian wrote his shit first. I was like, yeah. that's really yeah, it really just depends on, I would say, the production and the, the vibe we're feeling. That really depends on, like, the content, you know? And, like, I do play off a lot of, like, true stories that didn't happen to me personally and what I've been seeing in the streets, being out and just 
being out late driving or just being with friends. And then, you know, you just run into situations. I've been a person that's been, unfortunately, to run into a lot of different little situations that was kind of life or death. So it was like, you know, I, I've saved I've saved those traumas and like I just use them for therapy and like the music and stuff like that. Mm. So that's where that comes from. Um, and like, you know, even with like um, weaving in those personal stories into your music, even like the title of your group, you know, Angry Black Men seems like it's speaking to like obviously broader societal issues. So um, first, like, how do you manage to weave in commentary, um, this type of commentary in your music? And also, like, do you try to intentionally do that? I I would say so. Would you say, Brian? I think, like, uh, the intention in the beginning was to, I always say, like, we didn't want to be, like, public enemy. I'm upset like this. It was never, like, the intention to be, like, public enemy where it's, like, that's their identity. It was always like a NWA Wu-Tang approach where, yeah, yeah, like rapping about like Chinese, like mythology with the Wu-Tang, that's a part of our, you know, ideals. But also we talk about this being in the streets or NWA, yeah, we like talking about fuck the police. But hey, we also like to talk about, you know, women and what we do as, you know, uh, NWA. But that's I think that's what, you know, our approach was. It was like, yeah, we're going to talk about racism and stuff. But we're also going to talk about ourselves or like anime yeah, sure. or like pop culture. But don't forget that, you know, here's this, you know, this real live, you know, issues here. And like I'll, to add on to that, like, you know, angry black men, it, it serves as like a gateway to, OK, we can talk. We can really talk about anything, but, you know, we don't have to be so angry with it. But as much stuff can happen to like african-americans over time like we can serve as like a a a front pioneer like you know to just like how can i say it we we serve as like yeah yeah gateway to like you know serve as a voice in a way yeah i I agree more people are afraid to say i'm not going to be afraid to say it because like i'm the the type of person i am and where i come from like, I'm not afraid to, like, speak my mind. Facts. And also, everybody's angry. You know what I'm saying? That yeah. it, it goes farther beyond just being, yeah, we're Black. We, we just happen to be Black and we're angry. But anger is, like, a universal feeling. So, I mean, anybody could hear this and be like, I'm angry. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that's, that's universal. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting in your music because I, I guess – of course, like there is anger, but I guess I didn't really hear it as anger. Um, it was just like expression. And I wonder if that's like, I'm a very specific type of audience. I wonder like if a white fan would see it differently. So I thought it was interesting that y'all could like, kind of like play with the audience like that. And that's another question that I had. Um, do y'all think about audience when you're making music or do you make music mostly for yourself? Oh, that's a question there. Like, let me let me think because I don't want to say like the because I, I I make it for myself, but sometimes as you get bigger, quote unquote, you have to think about who's gonna hear this. Because when you're first making shit, you don't know who the fuck's gonna hear it. 
For and then sure. when you're more into the shit, you kind of know, you have like a idea of who's going to hear this shit. So I would say it's a bit of both for me, but I always try to put myself above who else listens to it. Because of the simple fact, I always see it on YouTube, like something that an artist had done back in the past, they blow up in the future and that past thing haunts them. Like they like, I didn't even know like so-and-so was going to hear that. Oh man, I didn't, I didn't diss Jay-Z, Beyonce all in one. <laughs> now they your biggest fans. So it's like, like me, I try to like keep a, a healthy balance in between. I need something that I'm going to be okay with and I'm going to need something that the audience is going to be okay with hearing. Mm. Um, and we have two more questions for you guys. The first is what do you want people to take away from reality? Mm. For me, I would want people to take away the messages and the overall just vibe of the project like when they look at this and they, they listen to it I want them to be like damn this is incredible like I didn't expect it I want to throw people off like when like seeing that cover I know like a lot of people it is like the controversy with the the blackface logo I always think about that I'm so like I, it's something I think about a lot and I know like it's I'm like it's it draws people into it like if they see that and be like whoa what the fuck let me check this out you know what I'm saying like, let, like even if they don't think they like it you know, so I, I want people to take away just trying some different good vibes, a message, the whole package. Dang. I want to I want people to just like take away a, a decent vibe from it. But I'm, I'm the type of person I don't I don't try to like. I don't try to like intentionally gear a vibe towards a certain way, because I want to I want to say things and leave it up in the air and it's up for your interpretation of how you you take it i feel mm. like that that's the job of an artist is to get that's how people gather on frequencies like this is what i thought of this oh for real <clears throat> i thought the same thing well me personally if that's what you thought that's what you thought <laughs> I, like, I like that because uh we just live in uh, this generation now i just feel like everything got to be spoon-fed to people or they were like i don't get it but i think leaving that like that open end is like really good sure, I, yeah. I agree with you bro like yeah you can't tell everybody everything they have to come up with their own assumptions about something and that that's just fun i like movies like i like movies that are very open-ended i hate when like they do all this exposition nowadays and tell you a plot be like oh we can't defeat this person because they have a shield like let's show us that you know what i'm saying like show us that we can't defeat this person don't just you know tell us yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just gonna say, like, just lock like ten people in a room and like whisper one rumor in one ear, and then let that circulate throughout the room and come back. I promise you, you're gonna hear some difference. Ooh, thanks. <laughs> That's an awesome way of putting it. Um, and then our last question. I know y'all talked a bit about a project that you're working on. Um, could you tell us what y'all got coming up? If you have any shows or what music we can expect in the future. Hmm. What would you say, Brian? Uh, we have an album that we're Probably. working on, like a really big like project, 10 tracks, over 30 minutes, something working on. As far as shows, we're, like we just got a uh, European booking, so we're going to see how that works. And we're working on getting uh, 
North American booking. So we're probably going to do like a lot of shows next year. But as far as 2022 music, album. Well, we'll be looking forward to it. I can't wait. Stay safe, stay healthy, all right? You too. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Two Virgins. We hope you enjoyed getting to know Angry Black Man and check out their album, Reality. You can find this episode on our website, quarantinecontent.com, or on our weekly newsletter, The Q. See you next week.